Hello and welcome to the Digital Lighthouse. I'm Zoe Cunningham. On the Digital Lighthouse, we get inspiration from tech leaders to help us to shine a light through turbulent times. We believe that if you have a lighthouse, you can harness the power of the storm. Hello and welcome to the Digital Lighthouse. I'm Zoe Cunningham. On the Digital Lighthouse, we get inspiration from tech leaders to help us shine a light through turbulent times so that we can learn, act and change as a result for the benefit of our businesses. We believe that if you have a lighthouse, you can harness the power of the storm. Today, I am super excited to welcome Kim Nelson and Ollie Moller Nelson, who are the founders of Periphery. Oh, how do you pronounce that? <laughs> We were just talking about it earlier. Uh, I think we've, we've converged on Periphery. Periphery. Fantastic. So the, the founders of Periphery, hello uh, to both of you and welcome to Digital Lighthouse. Hi. Hi. Nice, nice to be here. Um, maybe could you start by telling us what Periphery does and what your roles are within the business? Yes. So hello to, hello to the audience. Um, my name is Kim Nelson. I'm the CEO and uh, one of the two co-founders of Periphery. And hello from me, I'm Oli, I'm the CTO and the other co-founder of Purefry. And what we're trying to do is we really want to help startups and small businesses uh, do more with their sales, help them create really scalable sales foundations on which they can grow their companies and grow their sales. And for us, that's really about data. Um, both Oli and I have worked in the industry of data and AI for the last decade. And what we specifically noticed was that uh, especially small businesses don't use their data well enough to improve on and, and optimize their business. And since these founders and business owners told us that sales is one of their top goals this year, we felt that that's something where data can actually help them build better sales processes. So that's what we're building right now. Fantastic. And I think it's the case that small businesses in particular are very poor at recognizing what data they have and using it. So why is that? I think it's really difficult to know what to do with it in the first place. I think there's a lot of solutions out there that in principle help big enterprise, but few of them have actually been built to help small organizations who may not have the time, the resources, the money to hire the skills they need in-house or to get those big enterprise tools. But I think what we're really excited about also is how we've seen that in the last decade or so, SaaS tools have been built specifically targeting small businesses and being very successful by building something that is simple, intuitive, affordable, and that's what we want to do here. Basically, take the best practice from what's been built for enterprise and create a really scalable solution that we can offer to many small businesses. And in fact, if you look at other industries, the SaaS offerings can come to outcompete the bigger enterprise offerings, right? They're accessible, but you can kind of scale up and down. Yes, absolutely. And of course, that's, that's, it's a very cost-effective way to build software and to distribute your software. And, and as I said, that's why we can make it really, really affordable for these small businesses. One thing that, that obviously is the case is that if you're a small business, you have a lot less data than an enterprise. Do small businesses really have enough data to be able to 
create valuable insights just from their data? Mm, that's, a, that's a great question. And actually, I, when I reach out to these uh, founders and business owners, they often tell me, oh, I don't think we have enough uh, to do anything interesting with it. And what I really want to get across as a message here is also that actually you need probably less than you think to get started. <laughs> um, and, and it's important to remember that data is not just about volume. It's not just about how many entries you have into your system, but it's also about, for example, the complexity of that data. And if we look at sales data, for example, what you typically have that's very rich is emails or communication that can be analyzed and, and that is a very rich source of data. So I, I, I do want everyone to feel like there's always, there's pretty much always something that can be done to get started with using your data. And, and you might need less than you think to get something really valuable. I mean, out. Maybe to add to that also from my perspective, from the tech perspective nowadays, actually you can actually make more of little data and you can actually also approach it by sharing data in a better way. Um, and so there's something around that, particularly using privacy enhancing technologies and so on, that we are thinking of doing sometime in the future and making part of this product, um, because actually there's a really exciting shift happening right now, I think, in the data economy and how we use data that actually potentially helps small companies tremendously. Um, using data more and getting more out of data. Yeah, super interesting. And both of those parts, I think, are each really interesting on their own right. So the first is, it's so easy to think data is numbers or text fields, I guess, that are in a database. And then that is your data. Unless you have data in that sense you have nothing and of course there's a lot more than that contained within an organization um so for example in emails right which we don't think twice about we kind of send them off and it's kind of lost in a sense because it's not in a database so how how do you go about extracting that data so that it's usable well actually there's so there's different elements to it right but SaaS again plays a big role in that actually because in, in fact, you know, a lot of small companies are using SaaS tools at the moment, and they're using these tools to kind of help them with various bits and pieces, like, for example, you know, sending out emails automatically, or, you know, um, the CRM tools actually having access to the emails so that they have the, the correspondence history and so on. So actually, they already have a lot of tools that are collecting data. Um, and I think the way to really help them is by integrating those things together. So actually, you know, on Periphery, what we're doing is we're actually allowing companies to connect all of these different SaaS tools together and and basically forming a, a picture of the entire data set that they have. They don't might not even realize they have, but that they do have, even though they don't have a database sitting somewhere, you know, they actually have this data because it's collected by the SaaS tools that they're using. And making that essentially available to Periphery and then giving, you know, creating insights from that. I think that is the kind of approach that you can take, sort of combining things really and using the different bits and pieces that you have and, and, and joining them up. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, emails are at least electronic, but what about all this knowledge that everyone's got in their heads, right? If I think about what what do I do on a sales call? You know, I, I've got just got learnt experience from years and years of doing it. And it's actually very hard for me to share that with other people or pass it on or certainly formulate it in any way. Yeah, I was going to add actually to, to what Ollie said is, um, indeed, we often think about data as data in the classical sense of, as you say, rows and numbers of uh, rows and columns of numbers and, and letters, perhaps. 
um, and, and that's what's typically sitting in our software systems. But we should definitely not underestimate the amount of data or information that is sitting inside individuals' heads, uh, inside people's minds. And especially, for example, if you're a founder, you've been selling for your startup from the start. Uh, you have typically learned, for example, who is a good lead? When should you approach them? How do you approach them? How do you respond to a certain question, etc.? And, and that's indeed something that we're also very excited about bringing into our product through what we call a sales playbook, where it's basically about no, taking notes of all those information that you have, all the experience you have into the system. And the really exciting bit could be where we actually start to look for overlap between what the classical data is telling us compared to what the humans' minds are telling us. So it's actually much more a kind of mixed model. It's almost integrating people with systems in a much more complex way. Yes, exactly. Well, let's have a chat about this other idea then. And you just used a phrase, uh, Ollie, that I'm not familiar with, which is um, privacy. I can't even remember exactly what it was. It was Privacy enhancing technologies, it was, yes. And I think this is really interesting because what you're talking about here is as a startup, you have limited data, but perhaps there are similar startups that have different data and different insights, but actually you don't necessarily want to just be passing all your sales leads in this case, right? It's very sensitive data. You just want to be like, oh, here, here you go. See if you can get some insights out of that. So, which I guess is where privacy comes in, is that right? Yes, exactly. So, I mean, this this privacy enhancing technologies or PETs, as they're called, um, they're, it's, it's a new kind of um, technology and there's a lot of research going on in this field at the moment. Um, there's sort of starting to be real business applications for it. And the basic idea is that you actually can do computations on data that is hidden which means that actually you can you can get insights in some sense like aggregates and averages and so on from data without actually ever seeing it so you can provide insights to a group of people without them actually being able to see the data of the other participants let's say in this in this uh, sense so there's a lot of different techniques federated learning differential privacy and so on that are belonging to this in this sort of umbrella term and I think it's really, really exciting because I think the way that, you know, we have used technology has been a bit seesawing between a sort of like a trend of decentralization and centralization. I mean, if you think about it, web itself has been, was a massive decentralized project at the beginning, right? But actually with time, it's become more and more centralized. I think there's going to be a new phase where actually we're going to move to more de decentralized again. And actually, for example, cryptocurrencies and so on is of course a decentralizing movement. And I think there, there's always this sort of like thing that happens. And I think this sort of the way that we use data is, is I think really important. It's really important, I think, to have a decentralized model for doing that because we are in some sense, you know, we are really concerned often about our privacy and it, it does hinder collaborations between companies, as you were saying, right? You know, you don't want to share your sales leads necessarily with your competitors, right? But it's still useful information you can learn from each other. So I think it's a really interesting uh, direction that we're moving in. I'm really excited about it and really 
hope to be able to plan and build that into the product that we are building. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think what's super exciting, right, is, is this idea that, that we can learn from each other and benchmark because we often do want to support each other as small businesses as long as we're not direct competitors. And, and imagine, for example, if we could say that companies similar to yours typically price themselves 20% higher than you are currently doing. To give that sort of uh, feedback and information to the business owner to be able to make smarter decisions based on market data, um, but doing it in such a way that we absolutely guarantee the privacy of your data. No one's ever going to find out your particular pricing or who your customers are, etc. And that's really exciting. I was actually going to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> I really like this idea of... I suppose it's the kind of federation, isn't it, of small businesses helping each other out. So you get the power of a larger organization and the benefits of that while still keeping this agility of small organizations that don't need to all do the same thing. Let's let's chat a bit about how you're building your technology because you're um, quite a small tech team. So how are you structured? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's it's worthwhile pointing out that actually, you know, when we started, it was just me and Kim. We are also actually married. So we were, we were married to co-founders. Um, so it was just the two of us. And, and so the tech was just me. So the, the very initial thing I, I built myself. Um, but then we wanted to, we obviously wanted to move faster and we wanted to, but we wanted to at the same time keep a lot of flexibility. So actually, what we've now gone into is, is just hire um, a number of freelancers um, on the tech side, um, work on different parts of the system. So that's that's mm. what we're doing. And I think that's really interesting because the perception is, right, that you have to get your own people in and lock them in <laughs> with options and so on. So they're there forever and you never lose any knowledge. So, so what are the kind of advantages and disadvantages of working with freelancers instead? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose... Advantages, right, is for us, that's why what I mentioned, right, is, is the flexibility it gives us. So it basically means that, you know, we are we are super flexible in terms of like, you know, spend and, and what we're doing, which direction we're going and so on and adding, you know, maybe someone who's this skill set more and so on and, and on a very short time scale, right? So that, that's one of the big advantages. Challenges, let's say, um, that, you, that one needs to overcome is basically how do you, for example, how do you create a, a culture, particularly on the tech side, right? How do you create a coding culture and so on? So having, a, having permanent hires allows you to shape that a lot more. And actually, in fact, you have to, I think it's a really important part of the role of the CTO to kind of create that culture of, of how do you write the code best, what's our what's our principles behind it, and so on and so on and so on. And that's a lot harder with freelancers, obviously. So in Perfry, what we're doing is actually we're trying to make them really feel like a team as much as possible. So that means that they actually we actually have stand-ups every day. We use Cosmos, which is one of these online team tools uh, so we have a feeling that we're in the same office and so on so to make it feel a little bit okay like we belong to belong together and that actually gives at least the sort of coherence in that sense so that the freelancers don't sort of work away in, on their own in their own room and just isolate it on their on their part but actually we have a constant interaction and i also i also think it's the future around uh, portfolio working gig working etc i think we're going to see a lot more of this now of course one of the trend words is digital nomads uh, individuals who like they also like to have the flexibility themselves to move between jobs and locations and companies, etc. try things out. 
I actually think this sort of loosely coming together as teams as and when you need it and you feel like it, I think it's the future. So we're, we're trialing it now with, with a team of freelancers and it's going really well so far. Because the key really is about how you feel when you're together, not necessarily like how many minutes of how many days you all spend together and making everyone feel like when you're here, you're part of the team and we're working together. Well, we had a virtual snow fight, snowball fight last week. So... <laughs> <laughs> they, they certainly were part of the team then. <laughs> how, how does that even work? Is that like a on screen? Like, well, it's this, it's this tool called Cosmos, which is like a virtual office. So you go inside with like an avatar, and when you're close to someone, a video a video chat opens up. So it's if you walked up to someone in real life, and you can start chatting. And and one of the, one of the features there is a snowball fight that you can uh, you can uh, you press a certain key and you aim at someone, and then if they hit you, this big big fat uh, snow blob comes over your screen. <laughs> That is amazing. That is amazing. I'm definitely going to have to look that up. So just finally, um, obviously, you're a new business, you're a startup. And so how, how are you able to build a kind of artificial intelligence or machine learning business when you don't have the data to start with as the the software provider to start with you have no data so so how does that work (laughs) yeah no it's it's a challenge of course it's a challenge for every ai startup and i think uh, one thing that always bugged me were companies who said they were ai driven when they were not really because you cannot have ai without having some data to feed into it Uh, and i'm i've always been quite upfront with that we definitely want to build our company based on on AI and data, and we will. But at the moment, the very first MVP we built, it's not very smart uh, because we we can't build those uh, those tools, those algorithms yet. But I think the way we go at it, right, is to identify a problem that is really important for these founders, these business owners, to solve. And something where even if we create something that is simply automated or or simply a good way of organizing your data or so already brings enough value that they start using it. And then over time, we start to build smarter and smarter features inside the system based on the data they're then sharing with us. So that with time, of course, the product just becomes more and more valuable. We used to talk about um, everything as mechanical processes. So it's like an engine or, or like a kind of physical mechanical process, whereas actually now we have much more sophisticated technology. It's much more like an organic process, right? And actually, you currently have a business that is an infant. And so, of course, it can't do the kind of things that a more complex organism that's been around for a longer time can do. And actually, what you're saying is it's going to grow um, as, as, you, as you feed it. <laughs> as you feed it the data (laughs) well that's that's how you build any product you start with uh, something small and we've really been trying to do this in a very agile way so putting out an mvp just a couple weeks ago in the market that is is it is a basic it's an mvp it's literally a minimum viable product 
And then as we get first customers on, we take their feedback, we iterate, we iterate, we iterate. And indeed, every new version that comes out is going to be significantly more valuable than the previous one. But we feel that's the best way to build a product because you're actually building with your customers, essentially, and not just something that you think for some reason should be a great product. So, um, yeah. We're encouraged with the progress so far. Yeah, you're you're getting that data of what do your clients need and mm. what do your clients want, and you're using that to to shape what you build. Yeah, mm. that's yeah. fantastic. Thank you so much, um, Kim and Ollie, for coming on and helping us to shine a light for others. Thank you. Thank you for having us.